Suffering does not begin when an event occurs. Suffering begins the instant you label that event, this is bad, this is terrible. That's very important to remember. So if you can remember something that happened in the past, that at the time it happened, you thought it was terrible, but you could now look back upon it and say, hey, that wasn't so terrible, or even that was actually good. Well, is it possible that what you're today about to label bad could in next years turn out to be wonderful? Is it possible? Just asking yourself that question will move you to a different emotional domain. And if you then ask yourself the next question, what can I do to make it so? And you move seamlessly from the realm of despair to the realm of possibility. Hello, and welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, where you'll hear one aha moment after another. There is an enormous wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world that almost no one knows of it enough about yet. It's so well hidden by the negative noise in our media that I'm calling that wave a conspiracy of goodness in our times. Yes, it is still an amazing world. And on this podcast, we're going to introduce you to the people making it that way. If you are tuning out the negative news more and more these days, this podcast can be the place where you get some connection to progress and remarkable inspiration, and you learn about the countless ingenious insights and ideas that are improving our shared futures right now. We have to know about the good news, to think better thoughts, and to have better ideas. So today, we're going to really give you a great, joyful hour. Today, we're speaking to Dr. Suikamar Rao, one of the people I follow meticulously. His work gives me so much peace of mind every single day. And once I turn you on to the way Dr. Rao helps us improve our way of thinking, (laughs) I suspect that you're going to get the same joy from his insights as well. Dr. Rao is a sought-after speaker around the globe because he has perspectives that have the power to help us each make enormous leaps in our personal wisdom. Yes, I'm going big on that word, wisdom, right from the get-go here. Not for dramatic effect but because wisdom is Dr. Rao's specialty. More than two decades ago, he drove deep into many of the world's oldest wisdom traditions. And after leaving all the religious references behind, he kept the sage advice and the timeless logic. And he's been teaching these enduring perspectives ever since all around the world. Harvard, MIT, Google, Stanford. He's written four books. He has a new book coming out that I'm really excited to read myself because I think it's right up the alley of our conversations and what I've found so helpful in the everyday perspectives that Sweet elevates for me, raises. I could go on and on, but most importantly, I'm proud to call him my friend for the last four years. So welcome, Dr. Sweet Rao to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast. My pleasure, Linda, and it is my privilege to call you my friend. I'm so delighted we were able to meet that day in Burlington. (laughs) I never like it when podcasters go on for five minutes about how they met their guests or the last time they were at a party together or something like that. But Sweet Kumar and I do have a very strange serendipitous story 
where he was coming to our neck of the woods in far, far, far north Burlington, Vermont to speak. And just weeks before that, he didn't even know that's where I lived. Just weeks before that, we met. And so our friendship began because I was actually going to able to go see him speak twice on his visit up here in the cold north and then out to lunch and all the things and it all unfolded. So sometimes the, work, the universe does work out in our favor, huh? <laughs> yes, big time. And I you know, like to change the sometime to all the time, but we don't always recognize it. Okay, <laughs> let's rewind because that is the first bit of insight that we all need to remember. Let's start right there, Sukumar. Expand on what you just said. What I mean is... And actually, I'm borrowing from one of the greatest scientists who ever lived, Albert Einstein, who said the most important decision you will ever make is the universe friend. Now, the vast majority of us believe that the universe doesn't know I exist and couldn't care less. It's indifferent to us. Sometimes it seems to be working for us. Sometimes it seems to be working against us. But essentially, it's a random process. But what if the universe was aware of your existence and what if the universe was friendly? It was well disposed towards you. What if? Well, if the universe was friendly, why does it give me stuff I don't want? Friends don't shaft friends, do they? But, you know, I want to travel and the universe gives me pandemics and lockdown and, you know, I want to grow my savings, then the universe gives me inflation, which is eating away at my savings. Why does the universe give me stuff I don't want? But what if the universe gives you not what you want, but exactly what you needed for your learning and growth? Like you're a small child and you want a tub of ice cream and your parents give you fruit and vegetables. You don't want fruits and vegetables. You want a tub of ice cream. But the universe, in the shape of your parents, gives you fruits and vegetables. And it's only when you have a much higher level of understanding and appreciation and maturity that you can say, thank God I bought fruits and vegetables. What if the universe was like that? Regardless of whether or not you believe, the well, regardless of whether or not the universe is friendly, if you believe the universe was friendly, your experience of life would improve dramatically. Okay. If the universe actually is friendly, oh boy, you hit a home run. All right. So that's exactly where I was in this tug and pull with Dr. Rao for years in the beginning. It's because I'm a scientist. I'm a dentist. I have, I read all the science and I was having that stretch. I was one of these, I definitely, and there's days when I still go back to being one of these people that thinks, can that really be? But your last point, Sweekumar, can it be that the universe is benevolent? To your last point, does it really matter whether it is or isn't? We know that if we thought it was, we would act differently. Exactly. We would Which respond. Why, coming from your background, I think it makes a lot of impact to know that it was Albert Einstein who posited that. The most important question you will ever ask yourself or answer, is the universe friendly? Einstein was a phenomenal scientist, not just a great scientist, but he also was a philosopher and he had a very intricate understanding of how the universe works. 
That sets my mind to spinning. And I want to, people to know right off, if you see me looking down and pen and paper, it's because I'm going to make special note of the moments when Suikamar has said something that we all might want to reflect on again. So you can find any of these kind of moments pretty well documented if you want to circle back to something in the show notes. Okay, so let's start right there. You know, Suikamar, I, I went to your website and I was... I was impressed by the first two questions. The very first things you posit with us is you ask, do you wake up in the morning effused with indescribable feeling of joy? And you ask, do you come radiantly alive as you move through your day? Okay, come on. Sikamar, is that possible? Is that possible in a world that's so full of doom and gloom? Absolutely, it is possible. Not only is it possible, but I would say that for you and everybody listening to this podcast, you ought to make your experience of the world like that. That is probably the most important single task you can ever set yourself. It is possible. You can get there. And the most important thing that you can do is work towards getting there. So that's that's where we're going to start today. Okay. So that's essentially what, what Sukumar has become such a resource to me and count, countless others is that, you know, I, I can't do this alone. I can't make that leap from all the doom and gloom that we hear constantly in the negative news cycle and that my life could I could wake up every morning effused with radiant, indescribable joy. <laughs> That's a leap. I mean, I'm better at it than most just because of what I get exposed to at the goodness exchange, all the goodness in the world. But I need that extra. So let's take a look at, at one of the concepts right off here. Sweetkumar, share with us a concept that I'm absolutely sure I use at least once a day, if not three times a day this concept of good thing, bad thing, because I think it's like an umbrella concept over everything we're going to talk about. It actually comes from the Sufi tradition, and it's quite a famous story. So let me tell you the story first. There was a man and his son, and they lived in a beautiful valley, and they were very happy. They were also dirt poor. And the man got sick and tired of being poor. He decided, I'm going to become a rich man. And he decided the way he was going to do that was by breeding horses. He bought a stallion. He did not have money to buy a stallion, so he borrowed very heavily from the neighbors. And the very day he got a stallion, it kicked the top part loose from the paddock where he housed it and ran away. And the neighbors came around. Oh, you were going to become a rich man, but your stallion has run away. And you still owe us money. You are screwed. And the man shrugged his shoulder and said, good thing, bad thing, who knows? That stallion fell in with a group of wild horses, which were close to where the man lived, and he was able to entice all of them into his paddock, which he had repaired, so escape was no longer possible. So all of a sudden, he had a stallion back, plus about a dozen wild horses. And by the standards of that village, she was now a wealthy man. Nibis came around and said, we thought you were destitute, but Fortuna smiled upon you. How wonderful. You are lucky. And the man shrugged his shoulder and said, good thing, bad thing, who knows. The man and his son started to break the horses so they could send them on the market. And one of the horses threw the man's son and stomped on his leg. And it broke. And it healed crooked. 
And the neighbors came around again. He was such a fine young lad. And now we'll never be able to find a girl to marry him. How terrible. And the man shrugged his shoulder and said, good thing, bad thing, who knows. That summer, the king of the country declared war on a neighboring country and press gangs moved through the villages, routing up all the able-bodied young men to serve in the army. But this man's son was spared because he had a game lake. And the neighbors had tears in their eyes as they rolled around and said, Oh, we don't know if we're able to see our sons again, but you still have your son. How fortunate. And he shrugged his shoulder and said, good thing, bad thing, who knows? That goes on like that forever. So I want you to reflect on your life. Have you ever come across in your life an event which at the time it happened, you thought this is terrible, but you can now look back upon it and say, hey, that wasn't so terrible, or even maybe that was actually good. Most people can recall lots of such incenses. Understand, Linda, this is crucial for you and everybody listening to understand, is that no event causes suffering. Let me repeat that. No event causes suffering. Let's assume you get fired from your job. You now have a lot of spare time. Maybe you never liked your job and now you can go get something that's more suited to you. But the moment you say, this is terrible, how will I meet my expenses? I have my mortgage payment due, this is terrible. And the moment you stick that label, this is bad, this is terrible on it, at that instant, suffering begins. Suffering does not begin with an event occurs. Suffering begins the instant you label that event, this is bad, this is terrible. That's very important to remember. So if you can remember something that happened in the past, that at the time it happened, you thought it was terrible, but you could now look back upon it and say, hey, that wasn't so terrible, or even that was actually good, then is it possible that what you're today about to label bad could in next years turn out to be wonderful? Is it possible? Just asking yourself that question will move you to a different emotional domain. And if you then ask yourself the next question, what can I do to make it so? And you move seamlessly from the realm of despair to the realm of possibility. That's how you learn to become incredibly resilient. And that's how you learn never to let any adversity get you down. Because you don't label anything adversity. You simply label it this happened. And it's not that difficult to do. You just have to be consciously aware of it and keep practicing. And the moment something happens, it's better to say, okay, you know, under what set of circumstances could this be a good thing? And what can I do to make it so? It's simple, but it's very powerful. It's very powerful. I have been through a heck of a year, which we won't go into, but four family, immediate family deaths in six months, and I broke my leg, and I broke my arm, and all these things. And I got to tell you, that one insight, this not labeling, just saying that the day I broke my leg, I was sitting there on the concrete, and in seconds, at first I was like, oh, this changes everything, because my I blew up my knee into seven pieces, and I could see that. And I, oh, it was terrible. Last patch of ice in Vermont, May 13th, I slammed my hands on the ground, and I said, 
this changes everything in a really negative way, of course, because I had all these plans, like we all do. And then I just stopped, Sweet Kumar, and I said, no, no, this is, it just is. This moment is. And then my husband and I just shifted into an entirely new gear. And I have to tell you that it has fundamentally changed the way I will live the next 20 years by the insights that I gave. I had so many insights that I started carrying around this little notebook. (laughs) I'm not kidding. From that minute on, I knew I was going to learn something about a whole different world and future. So I started carrying around a notebook all because of that one insight. Good thing, bad thing. I do not. Now, after this horrifying year, I'm an expert at not very many things, but one thing I'm good at is just pausing and not labeling. I just and do not. That is enough to make an enormous difference, a beneficial difference in how you experience life. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about all these these sideways things that that could be connected to this in a world that's more spiritual and all that, but we don't have to because just by changing my mindset when those EMTs arrived and they looked at my knee and said, "Oh, we got to start a fentanyl drip on you right now." <laughs> It was bent backwards like a flamingo. Don't even talk to me about it. But I was nicer to them. I was a better patient. I just had a better, I was, I'm sure through that whole day, I improved the outcome by just being in a better mode about it. So if we start there, if good thing, bad thing is this momentary pause, advantage, the self-awareness to pause and then think that, then I have to turn people on to so many other insights like that. And what I want to point people to right off is this weekly newsletter that I get from you. I never miss Seth Godin's insights. He's a business marketing guy in the world is very smart and he keeps keeps his wording way down. So I never miss his newsletter. I never miss yours. And there's another one called Fridays Forward with a guy named Bob Glazer. But you three, I have a lot of stuff that comes through my inbox every, every day every week. And I got to tell you, uh, Sweet Kumar's newsletter will always cause you to go and think of about three circumstances immediately in the last few days where that insight would have helped. So I want to turn people on to this. To Sweet Kumar, what's your website called? The Rao Institute.com. Okay. The R-A-O Institute.com. Yeah, we're going to put links, links to all this in the show notes so no one has to forget. But here's my point in bringing all that up is that (laughs) there's like a little menu there. You can have your like, if you feel like your life is sort of a restaurant of choices of what to put your attention towards in any given day or what's demanding your attention. He's got this, these blog postings, these newsletter postings that he sends out divided into five categories, mind, gratitude, wisdom, relationship, and health. So I thought for the rest of this conversation, Sweekamire, I would pick one or two concepts out of each of those areas and then just ask you to teach us about it. Absolutely. My pleasure. Okay, good. All right. So the first one I picked is this thing that that comes right behind, just right after good thing, bad thing, you know, not labeling, is this concept of all our misery is caused by endless resistance to what is. Mm -hmm. Okay, think about that. I mean, when I, (laughs) it's so foundational, but go ahead, talk to us about this insight. Oh, yes. Let's talk about stress. I'm a public speaker. And I've asked thousands of people on six continents, is there stress in your life? And most people report that there is more stress in their life now than there has ever been. So, of course, I ask him, why is there stress in your life? And 
they give me. And there are dozens of reasons, but I boiled them down into a few major categories, financial, I don't have enough money and there are expenses due, like can't meet them and I'm worried about that. Relationships typically with partner or spouse, but could be with children, in-laws, relatives, boss, colleagues, and so on. You'd like them to be harmonious, but they're rocky and unsettled. Children, Children are supposed to be bundles of joy, and they are, but uh, <laughs> they do the dundest thing at the beginning early. They poop right after you change them. They fall in love with the most unsuitable people. <laughs> they drop on a college. <laughs> so children can be sources of pleasure and joy, but they can also add to the stress in your life, your business or career. It isn't going the way you would like it to. Your health, obviously. I don't have to say too much about that in COVID time. So there's a bunch of reasons like that, and people say that's why it, you know, I have stress in my life. Actually, that's wrong. There's only one reason you have stress in your life. This is super important, Linda, so make a note of it. There's one reason and only one reason you have stress in your life. And the only reason you have stress in your life is you have got a rigid idea this is how life should unfold. And the universe is paying no attention to your likes and going its own merry ways. So you want your business to be predictably growing and your customers are dropping off. You want to be promoted and your boss tells you that uh, your performance is unacceptable and you may be laid off. And you resist it and you resent it. And in that resistance and resentment, all of the stress in your life comes in. It's all rooted in control. You think that you can control the world, and you're a control freak. You're always trying to make the world the way you would like it to be. And what I advocate is recognize that you do not have control, you never had control, and you never will have control. You only have the illusion of control. And the illusion of control is a fantastic thing. I'm not knocking it. That's what makes you get up in the morning. That's what makes you lay plans, execute on those plans. It's wonderful. So use the illusion of control, but use the illusion of control knowing that it is an illusion and you really don't have control. So when you use the illusion of control and it doesn't work, it's, yeah, this is the time the illusion failed. What do I do now? And you go on without missing a beat. But if you think you really had control and you find all of a sudden you don't, that's when you go to pieces. That's when the stress comes in your life. So accept up front that you do not have control. You never had control. You never will have control. But nevertheless, act as if you had control. Work according to that. And then when the universe shows you you don't have control, you simply say, okay, where do I go from here? as opposed to good pieces. Okay, this is, you know, we've had no end to the occasions to practice this through the oh, yes. pandemic. Yeah. Everybody. Maybe we all got a little better at it. I mean, it must have been relentless if anybody's life was like mine. I actually thought about that a lot. And what I can say is some people got a whole lot better at it and some people went to pieces, literally. Okay, well, this is is something that I say to myself, and I'm encouraging everybody to just start there and then and then see where you can take it from there. And also, I got to say, Sukumar, how, how does this strike you? Saying this is like a fresh starting line for me. 
because then I can like consciously go forward from there making a plan rather than getting in these loops and loops and loops of mental chatter. Agreed. Totally agreed. Now, speaking of mental chatter, here's another concept I just have to share with you, have you chat about under that mind category. You say there are two levels to mental chatter. Mental chatter is fake news. See, tell me something, and mothers will particularly appreciate that. How many times have you bid goodbye to your child and, you know, he's gone, he or she is going on a journey or whatever you say, please call when you get to your destination and you never receive a call. And you say, oh my God, what happened? Did he faint? You know, is, did he get into a car accident? Is he on his way to the ambulance? So on. And finally, you said that there's a very mundane reason for his not calling, like his phone died or he forgot. And no matter how many times this happens to you, the next time it happens, you immediately go the same route again. I know a mother whose son is diabetic and he's now in his 30s, but every time something happens, she has visions of, oh my God, you know, he went into some kind of a, a, a rhythmic disorder, he, he's down. Mental chatter is fake news. The problem is we believe it. You get fired and say, this is the end of my life. I'm never going to get another job. And you know what, what I do? You go into these death spirals. So remember, mental chatter is fake news. Don't believe it. In fact, don't pay any attention to it. We have been schooled to pay attention to our mental chatter. Everybody around us does that. We don't even recognize that it is mental chatter. We think it is me. We identify with it. It's just a thought in your head. It's not you. If you can learn to dissociate yourself from this thought in your head, your experience of life would improve immeasurably. Okay. So mental chatter sort of runs through the thread of all that we're going to talk about next. So hold that thought. And let's go to gratitude, because here is a place where mental chatter seems to seems to really challenge us. Like, you know how people say, oh, stop preoccupying on all the negative things. Just focus on what you have to be grateful for. You have a great posting, a great newsletter posting that says, are you sick and tired of being told that you should be grateful for all the wonderful things in your life? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's what happens. That's what people say. If you are complaining because your mental chatter is a runaway train and you're thinking, that's always what they say. You should think about all the things you have to be grateful for. Talk to us about gratitude. I want you to think of your awareness, Linda. And your awareness is like a flashlight. What does a flashlight do? A flashlight illuminates whatever you shine it on. In India, we call it a torch, but it's the same thing. So you shine it on the ceiling, it lights up the ceiling. You shine it on the floor, it illuminates the floor, right? Your awareness is like a flashlight, and I'll prove it to you right now. I want you to take your awareness, the your flashlight of your awareness, and shine it upon the chair in which you are sitting. And the moment you do that, you become aware of the pressure of your buttocks on the seat of the chair. You feel the fabric or the leather pressing up against the back of your thigh, correct? Yep. 
Absolutely. 30 seconds ago, you were not aware of any of this, but now you are. Why? Because you shone the flashlight of your awareness on it. So what do we typically do with the flashlight of our awareness? We typically shine it on the two, three, or four things that are wrong in our life. Even more precisely, we shine it on the two, three, or four things that we think are wrong in our lives, that we have decided is a problem in our life. And therefore, they expand and soak up all our emotional energy. What about the 40, 50 things that are pretty damn good about our life? We never shine the flashlight of our awareness on it, so they slip by unnoticed. Terrible strategy. Flip it around. Consciously shine the flashlight of awareness on the many ways in which you truly bless it. You got um, a leg, it's hurting, but hey, you also got access to a surgeon who will hopefully, in a friendly universe, set it right 10 days from now. You have a bed to sleep in, you have a roof over your head, you know you're going to have dinner tonight. Don't ignore all of that. Shine the flashlight of your awareness on it. Just recognize it. And if you constantly shine the flashlight of your awareness on the many ways in which you're fortunate beyond belief, you will find that gratitude creeps into your life. You don't have to try to feel grateful. Gratitude comes into your life. You know, I've been saying a lot and I've been noticing that some of the thought leaders, they use this as a strategy for advancing what they want to have an impact on. They have this real awareness that what we give our attention to expands. Yes, very much so. Very much so. I just think that even as we run through just the topics that we've covered right now, if we give our attention to how a broken leg or a lost job or a teenager that made a bad decision, if we give all our attention over to all the bad things that could come of that, we never give our attention to all the possibility. In fact, the conversation we were having before this interview started, and you mentioned, you know, it's wonderful that I broke my leg because I really had to slow down after that, which I never would have done before. That's a perfect illustration of what I'm talking about. Yeah, I broke my leg so bad, my husband would set me up on my deck in the the morning, and I was so fragile that I just have to sit there the entire day and watch nature unfold for 10 hours until he came home from work and moved me off the porch. And I tell you, I learned a whole new appreciation for, for this concept of what we give our attention to expands. Everything from the hummingbirds to what phone calls I decided to really get engaged in and which ones I ignore and so forth and so on. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So there's a little twist on this gratitude concept that I love. You made in a very recent post about, about how about just being grateful for gratitude's sake rather than making a list of what you're grateful for. What happens is it's a good idea to make a list and all of that, but that's a baby step. It's like having training wheels on a bicycle. Use training wheels until you learn to ride a bicycle and then you take them off. Well, one of the things that I do encourage persons who follow me, my students, and especially my coaching clients is whatever you're grateful for can be taken away from you. 
You're grateful for good health. You get hit by a truck. You become a quadriplegic. You're grateful for your financial success. Hey, one bad investment in the stock market, and that can go away. Talk to the people who invested with Bernie Madoff, for example. Anything you're grateful for can be taken away. So eventually you will get to the point, if you continue doing the exercise that I advocate, where you're not grateful for anything, you're just grateful. That is your emotional domain. You're just grateful. Not grateful for anything, but just grateful. And it takes some time for you first to intellectually recognize that this is the way to go, and then to actually implement it in your life. So you get out, it's a beautiful day, and you're grateful. And you get up, and it's thundering, and it's rainy, and you're grateful. It is possible to get there. You just have to be aware that this is where you want to be. And the moment you become aware that this is where you want to be, trust me, the universe will get you there. That's lovely. I think it just ties into, we were talking about my broken leg, but you could almost tie that. I I don't know, however, I could get over the loss of a child, but in almost any other loss, I could see my way getting there in the thought process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With these, just the three or four little wonderful, not little, large pieces of wisdom that we've just talked about in the first half of this conversation. Don't label things good or bad. Just that is listen to our mental chatter. Be grateful just for the sake of gratitude instead of for the things that very well could be taken away. I mean, these are foundational. I like to make a small correction, Linda. Don't Uh listen to your mental chatter. Observe your mental chatter and recognize that it is leading you astray. And you're not going to be led astray. That is so true. It's, I want to turn people on to a really great TED Talk called, well, if you put, if you go to the Goodness Exchange, the mother website, the mothership to this, this podcast called the Goodness Exchange, and you put what fear can teach us in the search box, whoa, there is, I think, one of the top five TED Talks ever as far as insights that you can use every day, because this is it, right? We're listening to this mental chatter as if it were real. And we it seems to scroll by so much that we accept it as the story when it could often be further from the truth. Yes. Okay. So we're going to continue this conversation with one aha moment after another. But right now we're going to take a quick break and I'm going to introduce you to a little bit more about the Goodness Exchange. And then we'll be back. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of the Goodness Exchange and host of the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast. And I want to share something wonderful with you today. So you know how the constant negativity in the news and social media seems to be at some sort of boiling point right now? It's relentless. It can feel like all the joy and potential is being drained out of our future. No, it doesn't have to be that way. My team and I at the Goodness Exchange are making certain that optimistic people have instant access to positive news. There are news release stories out there about astounding solutions to some of the world's biggest problems, about wonders and leaps in human potential. It's not a lack of goodness, it's a lack of awareness. So if you want to try living with more joy and way less fear, it's really simple. 
First, head over to goodness-exchange.com where you can balance your media diet and feed your curiosity about a world with real-life stories celebrating people solving the world's greatest problems. And second, you can become a Goodness Exchange member. And for just $2 a month, you can help us keep the site ad-free. And what you're going to get is high-quality, carefully curated stories all about the good that's happening in our world. And all of it sent directly to your inbox or via our beautiful app. In the face of all the negative noise and often discouraging things that happen in our personal lives, you'll be the one who can stay on your feet. You can point to possibility and be the person who makes opportunity of setbacks. People who use the Goodness Exchange have a spring in their step. Every day they radiate joy and confidence because they know far more about the complete picture of what's going on out there in the world. You can do more and be more in a positive way for your kids, your coworkers, your family, and all the people around you. Because you're going to be filled with stories of goodness, remarkable, ingenious solutions, and progress. Super simple to open the door to a new landscape of possibility for yourself and others. Just get instant access to what's right with the world and leave all the negative noise behind. You can use it every day by heading straight over to goodness-exchange.com backslash join. And you can get 14 days on us when you sign up for this membership. Thanks so much. We hope you'll join us in making the world a better place. There is a conspiracy of goodness going on. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably part of it. Okay, we're back. We're back with an amazing conversation with Dr. Suikumar Rao. For more than two decades, Dr. Rao dove deep into many of the world's most important wisdom traditions. And after leaving all the religious references out, he kept the sage advice and the timeless logic. And he's been teaching this, this way of having wisdom-filled perspectives ever since. So, Dr. Rao, thanks for the first half of this interview. We're going to keep going. Okay. My pleasure. Okay. Now, as we spoke about, Dr. Rao has one of the three blogs that I never miss that come through my inbox. And I, of course, have, <laughs> because I'm so focused on good news and good insights and stuff, I have hundreds. But I never miss yours and two others. And we'll put those in the show notes. But he also divides his blog or his postings into categories. So we've touched on mind and we've touched on gratitude. We're now going to go into one of his wonderful opinions, ways to think about wisdom itself. So here's a question that you have, a blog posting I'd love you to comment on. You say, a simple question. There is a simple question that will uncomplicate your life and let more joy pour in. And I love these two questions you've got. Is this a journey that I want to take? And the second question is, does it take me to a place where I want to spend time? Now, (laughs) boy, those two questions, like, let's dive in deep on those, but I got to tell you how I've simplified it over time. My days are so, so busy and so much opportunity. And I always say, is this the hill I want to die on? (laughs) (laughs) 
I like you so much. I'm going to steal it, Linda. <laughs> because that's what will happen to my day. If I, I could have done 12 things this morning, but I got down this rabbit hole on something that isn't, that I didn't need to do today that I could have done next week. And I always, and finally, after about an hour, I pulled myself back out and I said, is this the hill I want my day to die on? Because I needed to get these other things done. So this is the thing. This is in conflicts that we have with maybe a coworker or a parent or a child. Is this the journey I want to take? Does it take me a place where I want to spend time? I mean, we could ask ourselves that all day long. So give us some insights on that. Okay. Basically, what happens is we live our lives and we do a lot of things mindlessly. Like, let's say you go back and you decide, uh, gee, we'll watch Desperate Housewives. Now, you've got to understand that you're always on a journey with that. There's what this one massive journey you're born and one day you will die. And that's a massive journey. But within this massive journey, there are lots of detours. And each of these detours is a little journey of its own. You know, you watch a television program, you go on a journey. You listen to this podcast, you go on a journey. So let's say you go back and you watch Desperate Housewives. So you go on a journey where 40-something matrons are having affairs with 19-something gardeners while their husbands are having an affair with fashion models. Yes, itself. Is this a journey I want to take? Does it take me to a destination where I want to spend time? And if you ask yourself that question sincerely, you'll notice that a lot of crap, how much crap you let into your life in terms of the books you read, the television programs that you watch, the topics of conversation you have with the people you hang out with, the types of people you hang out with. And you say, gee, no, this is not what I really want to do. This is not the hill I want to die on. And you don't even have to do anything about it. Just ask yourself the question and be aware of it and then continue. You know, have your drunken binge or, you know, what your junk thriller or whatever. It doesn't matter. Gradually, you will find that your life transforms itself. When you're consciously aware and you say, no, there's a lot more I want to do it. But, you know, the the trailer was so, so enticing. I'm going to watch that horrible movie anyway. And you do. But over time, it doesn't take all that much time. You will find that you change dramatically. And your life will be straightened out if you just ask yourself those questions sincerely. Is this a journey that I want to take? Does it take me to a destination where I want to spend time? Everything changes if you sincerely ask yourself that question. Those questions. You know, when you're when you're really zooming out on that concept, you can even say that at an intersection between your work and mine, is I'm always encouraging people to ask themselves before they post on social media. Am I just adding to the noise? Or is this something that needs to be said? Does it need to be said by me? Does it need to be said right now? Like, again, if it's back to this moment of where we're following our impulses or our emotions over a cliff because somebody's made us really mad on social media or whatever, or let's say it's my brother and he's texted me some crazy thing, I can ask myself right then before I answer back or before I tap in my answer on social media, I can say, is this a journey I want to take? And does this take me to a place where I want to spend time? Exactly. 
because people are going to respond to my anger with their anger. And on and on it goes. Like, when do you get out of that? It's like absolutely a never-ending cycle. Yes. Yeah. Or with my brother, I'll tell you that. I've mentioned this before, but somebody's missed it. I've started waiting on the 24. I've used a 24-hour rule with family members now in texts and emails. And I might even tap out the angry message I want. And that's how I learned this, is this the hill I want to die on concept. I tap out the angry answer, but in the moment, it feels like it gets off my chest, but I do not hit send for 24 hours. And I almost 99% of the time never hit send because the next day, the person's gone and done something really nice. (laughs) Or the circumstances have changed, or I learned something that makes their opinion sound more valuable. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Okay. So we can all work on that. All right. Here's a really, a little bit of a sideways connection to that, that I really love that you recently wrote about. (laughs) I have this tendency to want to be the police officer to the world. (laughs) If I, you know, if I get really bad service at Best Buy, or if I have somebody pass me going 150 miles an hour on the highway, I want to call the state troopers and give them their license. I just have this impulse to, I don't know. Anyway. You wrote this incredible posting about who makes the decision. And I tell you, I sat there and I read that thing, and I think it was free. I think I was free forever from this need to stay engaged in the disappointing interactions I have with businesses and others. Talk to us about who makes the decision. <laughs> this is a piece of sage wisdom that I got from Marshall Goldsmith, who is a probably the world's most famous executive coach. And he's been a friend and colleague for two decades. And I have certainly benefited immensely from his sage wisdom. So what he said, and this is so true, is Every decision is made by the person who has the power to make that decision. Make peace with it. Every decision is made by the person who has the power to make that decision. And then so liberating. We rail against things that people do. And... It's silly because that decision was made by the person who had the power to make that decision. And if you didn't want that person to make that decision, you have to ask yourself, am I willing to do whatever is necessary to make sure that it is a different person in that position? And the answer is either yes, in which case you go ahead and make sure that you're trying to change the world the way you would like, or the answer is no, in which case you say make peace with the decision. (laughs) <laughs> you so get this great advice always at all times every decision is made by the person who had the power to make that decision you simplify your life so much and you take so much of the stress away you give this great example of wanting more butter <laughs> that's really funny and actually it is a story in my public talk so these were day, the early days of America. The French ambassador to the United States was visiting there, and they went to a hostelry in New York, and the waiter gave him a slice of fresh-baked bread and a pat of butter. And the Frenchman said, can I have another pat of butter? And the waiter said, no, it only comes with one pat. And the Frenchman got angry, and he had a pompadour, and his face got 
red underneath that and his frock coat swell and he paraded the waiter and told him how important he was and he asked him, do you know that tomorrow your president is going to be having dinner with me? And the waiter listened to all of that and then he said, do you know who I am? And the ambassador says, no, who the hell are you? And the waiter said, I'm the guy who hands out the butter. <laughs> and I thought that's a funny story, story and very, very, very apropos for this. I'm the guy who hands out the butter. Every decision is made by the person who has the power to make that decision. If you don't like the decision, you can try to subvert or go around the person or do whatever you think you can. You may succeed, you may not succeed. But every decision always is made by the person who has the power to make that decision. Wear that in mind. In your own organization, make sure that the people who make such decisions are people who have the set of values that you would like to be emblematic of your organization. And outside, recognize that's what's happening. I think it, it's a freeing perspective for all of us as consumers. I, I It's so common that people who want to run good businesses just can't find enough employees. It's simply down to a body count. In our region of the United States, I know, is that there's just not enough people filling positions. And so it's easy to have a bad customer service interaction because a lot of times people are just using the warm body technique to fill positions, right? And ever since you wrote about that, I've really been looking at my reaction to bad customer service and just saying, moving on. <laughs> like my, the old me would have preoccupied it and called up and given the manager some feedback nicely. I'm always super helpful and super nice. But I always, you know, as a business owner myself, kind of feel like I've got to tell people what they look like to the outside world. But maybe right now, I'm just going to break that business owner's heart because there's not a darn thing he can do about it, giving our times. Anyway, thank you for that insight because now I just don't spend all that mental time on it, on stuff that I can't change. I don't want to climb the ladder at the John dealership, John Deere dealership in Swanton, Vermont, right? <laughs> yes. Because they sold the wrong belt for my lawnmower to my husband twice, you know? <laughs> but the old me would have would have gotten so preoccupied by that. So that's <laughs> what I've in many industries is more atrocious than it's ever been. But you do have the power to not let it affect your emotional domain. <laughs> and the story I just shared with you that you mentioned has the ability to let you retain your emotional equanimity. Yeah, yeah. And moving on, <laughs> that's my new word to myself. Okay, so we can't wrap up this interview without talking about something from your relationships category. Now, I still have, I got to tell you, six more questions that we didn't get to. <laughs> so we might have to have a part two for this and let it happen sooner than 100 episodes. I want folks to go back. And I believe, we'll put it in the show notes, I think Suikamar, my last interview with Suikamar was episode number five of the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast. But then we weren't doing video, so that's an all-audio interview. And it is just beautiful, too. We'll put it in the show notes. But let's not let 100 episodes go by again, Suikamar. We might get to those other six. But I want to wrap up with the relationship insight and a bit of wisdom from you. So you say in one blog, if I could just get him or her to change then things would be okay. <laughs> and like, 
we're all just stuck in that exact rut with almost everyone around us. If you just fix our children or our parents or our siblings or whatever, talk to us about that. We're always trying to fix somebody in our life, like parents, siblings, children, work colleagues, bosses, employees, customers. If only they would do things. And what we're really saying, if only they would behave the way I want them to, then it would be so much better. And we arrogantly think that I'm a reasonable person, so not only would it be better for me, it would also be better for them. So I'm doing it altruistically in trying to change them. Now, let me ask you a question. How much luck have you had fixing someone who doesn't want to be fixed? Probably not a whole deal, right? I spent three decades trying to fix, four decades, trying to fix my wife, and I haven't succeeded. (laughs) Neither has she. The point is, as I said before, and we talked earlier in this interview, you do not have control, you never had control, you never will have control. So by all means, try to fix people, but recognize that you may not succeed. In fact, you probably will not succeed, and that's okay. Your benefit comes from your pure, good-hearted intention of trying to fix. And if it doesn't work, fantastic. If it works, fantastic. There's a very powerful exercise which comes from the Buddhist tradition. And basically, it says, everybody in the world is a bodhisattva, fully realized being, who has taken life in, in this incarnation purely in order to help you there. So that cantankerous, obstreperous, thoroughly unreasonable boss that you have is actually a kind, generous, wonderful angel who has taken birth to teach you something. And your spouse, who has just consulted a divorce lawyer, who threatens to take you to the financial cleaners, is really trying to help you grow. Vividly imagine that everybody that you meet is a bodhisattva whose sole intention is to help you grow. It's a very difficult exercise to pull off, but boy, is it powerful. So you look at all the toxic people in your life and the resentment, the anger, the frustration drop off. It is replaced by what do I have to learn from this situation? And the funny thing is the moment you learn your lesson, the situation always dissolves. Just like that. This is another piece of wisdom that I got from um, Swickamar's great, great insights years ago. And it has really been something I've leaned on through the pandemic is this notion about how you say it better than I could possibly paraphrase. So I'll just say right off your somewhere where I got this, you say, think about how you've made your well-being hostage to the behavior of others. Exactly. Whoa, that is so, that's so fundamentally true and obvious after you hear it and you after you get it. But gosh, yeah, if I'm just walking around and for instance, I always kind of joke, but it may be true that, 
You could, a mother can only be as happy as their unhappiest child. As the least happy child, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I run around in that all the time until I go, no, wait, I'm not going to make my happiness dependent on somebody else's, uh, even if they're the most important person in the world to me. It's almost like we're punishing ourselves yes. by the Almost punishing thoughts we have about others. Absolutely, yes. So, <laughs> again. Insulted me. Go ahead. You insulted me, and I'm going to react by being unhappy. I just handed over the keys of my happiness to someone else. Why would you ever do a daft thing like that? Why? It's so, so, so freeing once you can get this one in working for you in your business life, in your personal life. I'll tell you just about everywhere. It, when I think about that, if I pause and don't follow my emotions over a cliff, I can get that one going pretty fast. Yep. So, Sweetkumar, as I said, I have all these other questions. We're going to have to have a part two. How can people, what's the best way for people to connect with you? The best way for people to connect with me is to register for my blog. If they go to my website, which is www.therauinstitute.com, then and there is a button there which they can click, which says join our community, and that'll give them my blog. They can email me, and my email is very simple. It's srikumar, S-R-I-K-U-M-A-R dot rao at therauinstitute.com. And uh, if you go to YouTube and put my name in the search box, there are dozens of videos that will pop up. And I have a new book coming out, Modern Wisdom, Ancient Roots, which cover in detail many of the insights that we talked about today, as well as dozens of others. And I would be delighted if persons on your podcast will reach out and order the book. I am so excited about this. I just love the title. Give us the title again. Modern Wisdom, Ancient Roots, The Movers and Shakers Guide to Unstoppable Success. Yeah, this is going to be, it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. Send me a copy. And I'll help you, you get, get it that. out there. You will get that. All right. Well, you can see how over the top I am about Sikamar's work. He is, listen... <laughs> Finding a way to get good news to rise to the top of the internet, which is what I've done for a decade, has not been an easy go. Even in the world where everyone says they want good news, it has been a rocky road just going from dentist to learning how to be a, you know, a tech internet mogul. <laughs> and Dr. Rao has been there every step of the way for some of the hardest parts. And these insights have really served me. So, so if I sound a little bit over the top for Dr. Rao's work, I am. <laughs> I'll just own it. Thank so, you very much, Linda. Okay. Have a wonderful day. And everybody listening to this podcast as well. Okay. Well, I, and he truly means that. I, he's one of the most generous of spirit folks I've ever come across. So for more information about anything Sweetkumar and I have talked about from that TED Talk I mentioned to, to the blogs and the links and all the things, you can just go to the show notes. Everything's going to be there. We, we have a great podcast producer who does that for us. I do give them a link to my TED Talk because I also have a TED Talk on happiness. So, oh, Absolutely. I'm going to have Brittany do that. Just come a little bit of the first few pages of a Google search so people can have quick, quick access. I know which ones of mine are my favorite too. So I'll make sure those get in there. There'll be a ton of stuff in there for folks. Go, Linda. Okay. Have a great Bye. day. And, um, and I'll finish up the podcast without you and you carry on.
Okay, bye. So thank you so much for joining us for this special episode with Dr. Rao on the podcast. We're at the, at the Goodness Exchange. We're really trying to elevate the thoughtful, measured, helpful voices in the world. I'm concerned that what rises to the top of the internet is based on some who can shout the loudest or who can be the outrageous. But there are so many people in this world doing good things, bringing fresh insights to the table like Sweekamar, and that's what the Goodness Exchange is all about. So if you want more connection to goodness and progress, and maybe you've turned off the news entirely, don't forget that you're not getting any of the good news either when you do that, even though good news is rare. But at the Goodness Exchange, you can have instant access to perspectives and people and projects that are really changing the future. So join us there. Also, if you can, please, please rate this podcast if you enjoy it and share it with friends. We find that word of mouth is how this podcast is growing. Folks get so much of a charge out of it and a spring in their step that they, people tell me all the time they listen to episodes a few times. And it all matters that we share the goodness we come across. We can open a new era, and I'm hoping that we're leading the charge with the conspiracy of goodness. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a member of that wave already. So thank you. I hope the connections we shared with you today carry you through your week and you start finding all the wonder that Sweet Kumar and I were talking about. Have a great day.